Welcome to Tripping Over the Barrel, a series that highlights the unique personalities within the oil and gas industry and the stories they have to share with your hosts and lead storytellers, Tilo and Dr. Funkenstein. And we're back with Tripping Over the Barrel. We've got representatives from Reagan Smith, referred to us by friend of the podcast, longtime listener. Trent Stoker. Trent Stoker. Trent Stoker. Thank you, Trent. It was great to see Trent at NAEP last week. Um, Scott, you were there, right? But we didn't I, I was see there. each other. Yeah. yeah. What were you, uh, what you, were you doing? I, had, I got sucked into a different party than you were at. That can happen. That can happen at NAEP. You know, Tim, my, my whole NAEP uh, experience this, this year, it was, it was awesome. I'll, I'll get into that in a second. But I didn't cool down the whole time. Like, I, I'm not used to coming out of the shower and like sweating a little bit and then having to put on clothes. I'm like, it doesn't make sense. It's like 68 <laughs> degrees in here. Why am I still Houston. sweating? And, and I, I was, I don't know. Hey, welcome to Houston. That's just the way it goes. <laughs> yeah. August, you just, especially. you just kind of had to get used to that. You just, it, it's like a never ending thing. Whew. It wasn't <laughs> hot until I left. Finally got back here. I'm like, Oh, that's, that's nice. That's nice. Never Whereas when I show up in Denver, I get off the plane and my lips are instantly chapped. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, how did that happen? Yeah. No, somebody else was saying that today that on the walk in the concourse, if you fly into a, you know, you can go out and, and walk at DIA, right. As opposed to taking the train all the way, all the way in. Yep. Uh, <laughs> that immediately, like, as you start making your way to the main terminal, your lips just immediately start to crack. Right. Basically. So anyways, we've got Monica and Scott. Feels like that's like a couple's name from the eighties, right? Like uh, you, can, you can picture the big hair and the stonewashed jeans, maybe in Oklahoma rooting for the boss, but I want to get to know you guys a little bit because Trent has been pushing, bring these guys on. They're unique. They're personable. They've got a number of different businesses. I'm most privy to land scout, but I want to learn like about you guys from, from sort of the beginning, where are you from? How did you get to where you're at today? Your quick story, and then we'll we'll dive in more. Go ahead, Monica. Oh, okay. Uh, well, thanks for having us on. Uh, this is our first time to do a podcast, so uh, we're newbies. Um, yeah, so I'm an Oklahoma native. I grew up in Tennessee, Oklahoma. Lived through the original oil bust, I guess. My dad was in the oil field. Um, ended up going to OU and have a background in archaeology and history. Uh Got a law degree where I met uh, Jennifer, our other law partner, and Scott through law school. And then also have a natural resource management master's through Texas A&M. Giggum for any Aggies listening. Um, and uh, Reagan Smith, we started in 2005. Um, it was right around all the regs were changing with the Energy Act. Um, and I had previously worked at Reagan Resources under Will Reagan. And... He had the idea uh, to do a spinoff company, so that's where we kind of came in. And Reagan Smith still to this day specializes in projects on federal and Indian lands. Um, really, any project you want to do, pipelines, wind, oil and gas. Oil and gas has been our bread and butter for 15 years, but we um, do really anything that needs to be done on federal and Indian lands. So, And then we've got some spinoff companies, Land Scout. We've got a law firm. So... And I'll let Scott tell about himself. No, wait, hold on, hold on. Sorry. Yeah. I have a couple of things. I was digging through your educational past. There's a couple of things that just jumped right off the page at me. I am not a good student, contrary to what my resume looks like. Well, I'll tell you what, you've got a lot of (laughs) logos there, but so I'm, 
it's rare that we get an archaeologist on yep. the show. And I just, University of Haifa, yes. ancient Mediterranean oh. Near Eastern studies. I mean, what is that? You know where that is. Tim. I think the only way to explain that is I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. So I just kept going to school and now it all kind of, it all makes sense now looking back, but at the time it, my parents were just very concerned. So on that, I was actually going to make but, something of it. So you went to archaeological field school, I guess, at yes, University of Haifa. Yes. Are you, I mean, are you actually out with a little brush, you know? Yes, I worked What, what was on, the project? It was um, one of Herod's, so King Herod from the Bible, his, um, but let's see, I'm going to, if anyone knows what I'm talking about, I'm probably botching this because it's been about 25 years, but uh, it was his summer palace. It was also, had been turned into a Byzantine uh, church at the time. So hmm. it's in ancient Caesarea where St. Paul was held captive. If you remember from the Bible that he was basically on house arrest in this town. So it had a lot of uh, really cool history. And yeah, we were with the trowels and buckets of dirt and yeah. So so not was, a bull whip going through caves? No, no. No, no, any of John stuff, huh? Exciting stuff. But I mean, it was exciting to me. So I mean, it, it's very compared to like what we find in Oklahoma. It's it's pretty cool stuff over there. So well, we've got the Indian mounds in Oklahoma. Yeah, and not to disparage Oklahoma. I mean, we're usually finding like old uh, farm equipment and <laughs> homestead, you know, something your grandmother would have had in her house that everyone's like, that's archaeology. And you're like, yep, that's uh, dinosaur bones, so. you know, here and there. Yeah. So uh, love that. So a story that I like to tell or just basically part of my life and background I'm from New Hampshire, but I'm Jewish. I was the only Jewish kid at my high school of 800 people, but my family was somewhat religious. My dad was uh, the first son of a uh, like pretty conservative rabbi, right? So I feel okay. like I had a good background with it. Went to Jewish sleepaway summer camp, which was like the best time of my life, basically for two months. Like yeah. Tip's still like, what? I'm like, no. Oh, and the softball team was fantastic at that camp. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, you know. Right. <laughs> We had two months. Your parents really wanted you to stay away for a while. That's a long summer camp. It's been shortened. It's like ebbed and flowed. I think now those traditional camps are more like six, six and a half weeks. But um, nonetheless, so I went for years. And then the summer after your junior year of high school, you have the option to go to Israel for oh, okay. six weeks, right? Yeah. And basically, yeah. you're, it's like a teen, almost like a teen tour, right? You're with yeah. all the other kids from the other camps and super fun. But what, one of the traditions that they always have you do is like a day of archaeological digging where oh, you, you go did. Like deep oh, into good. a cave. And, oh, yeah. it was sweet. It was so cool down there because it's hot. It's the yeah. summer. It's Israel. You go down there, you're like, oh, this is nice. That's awesome. Do you, what, what area were you, did you go on the archaeological survey? Oh, I wish I could remember. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to dig that out. I, I, like the, the two bases there were one was like way in the North and one was in Jerusalem. So okay. I think it was, it's within a bus drive of any of I those mean, places. Archaeology surveys going on all over the country. So we were actually out on the coast and it was beautiful. I mean, it's so nice there it, yeah. for a college summer abroad. It was pretty awesome. No, the Mediterranean super nice. Yeah. But anyways, no, that's, that, that was always a big thing. So like being at camp, there was this tradition of kids that would come back wearing like, I dig Israel with like an oh, archaeological cool. dig. Yeah, that's tradition. awesome. But that's a good no, incentive that's... to keep going to the camp. <laughs> See, I didn't think we would have all these connections on archaeology. No, I'm, but you know, I, know. I know nothing about it. They just put me in a cave once and said, take some stuff up. <laughs> no, but, but you know, the reason archaeology stood out to me and I'm going to just tell my story, but 
I'm at Texas A&M University, landlocked, land-grant college, great. Yes. Happens to have, at least when I was there, one of the top nautical, nautical archaeology schools in the you world. You still do, yes. I buy that, we, yeah. A&M so does, yeah. I, I happen to find... Stuff. I happened to find that professor and took one of his classes. Yeah. It was fascinating. I actually studied a shipwreck off the coast of Israel, apparently important. But someday, Jeremy, I'll, I'll go through with you the, uh, the evolution of the keel and, the, and its importance to understanding shipping in the Mediterranean. Right. You know what? Someday. I can also talk about the Mediterranean shipping. We did a lot of that when we were in Israel. So there's, I mean, hey, knowledge that you may never use, but... We got it. <laughs> oh, it's bringing me back now. I'm getting nostalgic. No, Tim, that, but I believe that, right? I mean, anything, when I think A&M, anything subsurface, right? I buy it. Sure. They've got people that have started to figure that stuff out for years. So uh, that's, I, I dig it. Anyways, I, I still, feel bad I just think, I feel bad I just, not. I just think there was one guy that uh, that loved to go scuba diving <laughs> and just started, hey, I'm going to get some funding and go study shipwrecks in sure. various places. I think places. that's exactly how it happened. A&M, man. So, so there you go. Mr. St. Jean. St. Jean? Or uh, Scott St. Jean? Yeah. St. Jean, you know, my one of my law professors called me St. Jean all the time. So, uh, yeah. So, um, I went to Oklahoma State University with an engineering degree um, back in the day. And then um, uh, practiced engineering for about six years. Uh, traveled a little bit. Lived in Chicago for a little bit. And then uh, came back to Oklahoma City and, and uh, started uh, law school at uh, OCU. So, uh, then uh, met Monica and was looking for a career change and she had started Reagan Smith and it was just a tiny, tiny two or three person company at the time. Yeah. So, um, and 16 years later, I'm sitting here. <laughs> he, stuck, he got stuck. I'm, so, I always say I'm the only dude in oil and gas industry that have two women partners. I guarantee. Oh, <laughs> that sounds like a challenge. I think, I think we can find those. Yeah. I think we'll dig that maybe, up. Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, interesting. So, how do you how do you split your time? Because I know that you've got a number of various interests, right? You've got technology, you've got legal, right? You have consulting, a tremendous amount of subject matter expertise in a. Um, I mean, I could call it niche, but I feel like the whole land land GIS mapping, uh, and as it relates to anything federal, is a is a huge deal, and it's almost an area that people don't fully understand the the breadth and depth of. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious in, in Oklahoma, is it different than everywhere else in the country? Cause you hear like, you know, Oklahoma is actually, uh, you know, an Indian reservation or something like that. Yeah. So is it much different there than other States? And, and do you work in other States or is it Oklahoma centric? Uh, we work the entire country cause federal lands are everywhere. Um, sure. as far as Oklahoma, yes. If anyone that's a landman here will know that, I mean, it's checkerboard, we have major checkerboard titles. So. You could have a unit that has state lands in it, uh, some Indian uh, lands, and then also federal and then fee. So all within a 640 acre unit. Um, that's not uncommon. So um, most of our federal lands are subsurface unless you're on uh, like a grasslands or a Corps of Engineer lake. But um, now the Indian tribe stuff, we have 34 recognized tribes in Oklahoma. So um, that runs the gamut of, of different tribes that have different um, situations and different regs of their own that we, we have yeah. to navigate. But um, we work the entire country. So we come up against all kinds of crazy situations that involve the feds, state lands, fee lands, Forest you name service. it. Forest, yeah. Yeah. And, 
you, you think that um, you know all the all the, the NEPA rules and federal regulations, you know, they're all written and and but they're applied drastically differently all across the country. So um, a lot of states may be rather loosey goosey with them, and uh, just depending on what agency you're working with, and then other sides of the country are very stringent. So it's it's it varies widely even though they are the same rules so yep. it's interesting in that perspective yeah so it's it strikes me i was going to ask this question but the differences between well i guess uh you've got the indian reservation land and the federal land and you know private property and so on and it, it just strikes me as being it's got it's so different to be able to to do these you know the different pieces just what is that like having to navigate all those different rules and i guess that's why you guys have a niche <laughs> that's why we exist hard. that's what we always say if it was easy we wouldn't have jobs so right um yeah it's we kind of take every project from the very beginning and that's one of our, our very first things we do is kind of figure out which agencies are involved which tribes um and then we kind of you know, game it all out and, and figure out what the best course is. A lot of stuff we run concurrently. A lot of projects have dual permitting processes that we're running. You know, somebody's running the tribal permits through while another person's running, you know, the state stuff or the BLM. I mean, we've got scenarios going right now that have multi-agency, multi-discipline within each agency. Sometimes even within the agencies, they can be at odds with each other. Yeah. Um, and then, you, you know, we have similar things with all projects. We've got landowner issues, you know, we've got rig schedules always changing, you know, we've got all that, all the stuff that's added on just because it's got federal regs or tribal regs or those types of things. And then the regular things that everybody else is dealing with rig schedules and a lot of change in personnel right now where we're trying to, you know, even internally of the company, they don't have as many, um, people available for certain projects. So their disciplines are limited on who's available to help and provide information. So we're tracking that stuff down. So it kind of, I always feel like we're in like a video game where we keep getting up to the next level and it keeps <laughs> getting harder. So Yeah. And <laughs> along with cool. that is, is with, with the uh, administration changes that happen maybe every four years. I was going to ask about there's, that. There's yeah. different directives, right? So um, right now the priority is not to, approve APDs right now. They're, they're really focusing on inspection and enforcement issues at this point. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. so that's a challenge in and of itself as well. Which the right. APDs are, are the federal permits, yeah, the federal application permit. for permit to drill. Yeah. Sorry, we speak in a lot of jargon. So. There, there are so many acronyms. I mean, this industry is absolute acronym hell, but then you go to other industries too, like ju yeah. and just sit in for one 30 minute conversation and they start being like, no, nah, we need the uh, STC on the uh, <laughs> ARO. So what do we got? And you're like, so I, those true. might mean something somewhere else. I have no idea what you're talking about. Right. Well, we always tell well, brand new even within the industry, everything they don't understand and we'll explain it. Yeah. So even, even within the industry, That's it gets, amazing. you know, you've got API and we it's, it means American Petroleum Institute, but sometimes we're referring to the gravity of the oil and sometimes it's a reg. Yeah. Yeah. Or you sometimes know, it's the, the well number, the API. Yeah. Number. So like, <laughs> Sometimes it's a piece of technology that connects systems as well. Ah, that's, right. that's right. That's what I was just about to say. If we were in land scout, yep, API, yep. Somebody was, was going to have to say it. So <laughs> I heard a lot of different schools there. 
what is the the rooting fandom? Because I know all those schools are big time football, <laughs> basketball, all that stuff. We where, are where definitely are the Reagan Smith is definitely a house divided. Yeah, we're, we're we're about fifty fifty, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, OU OSU. Um, yeah. I don't think we have anybody out. Uh, we have a. a oh, we've got Trent Stoker, who yeah. went to a school we won't name, but yeah. what is it? <laughs> Texas. He went to Texas. He went to Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, oh no no you got that's a 15 yard penalty right there buddy (laughs) 15 yard penalty (laughs) well you know they're all so so as you we would say that now that you have trent there you're uh fully integrated that's right that's right yeah Yeah. so we're very diversified (laughs) here with our colleges i'm on the outside looking in a little bit right now since ou and texas left and oh my gosh don't the sec talk around here has been I can imagine. Do you guys go to all the games together? Like the mayhem game? Is that like a tradition? We used to have a suite at OSU, which we were at all the games for the home games for OSU, where we would have clients. That was all before, you know, 2020. Um, Well, I, I mean, I haven't been to any games in two years, I guess. I'm headed down to college station in October. Yeah. You usually do an A&M. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, that's a good month. You going to the Alabama game then? I can't even rem- I it's funny you said that. I cannot remember it. My my whole family goes and my mother's in charge of that. So she just kind of tells me when to show up, which is nice. <laughs> Wait, Tim, are you are you coming up in a few weeks to the uh, A&M Buffs game? Still trying to work out those logistics. Interesting. Interesting. That would okay. be a good game. That's going to be a good game. Well, I What's you guys here? no reason for you guys to know this, but uh we just had a uh, my oldest daughter got married this weekend and Oh wow. Uh, like, my entertainment budget may have been blown. Yes. So, right. Yes. Yeah. And there was another thing too. You moved a kid to school. Oh, I've got, I've moved two kids into their various uh, apartments or dorms and their universities as well. Oh my. So what wow. an, that's an expensive week. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tim's got three, Tim's got three girls. I got a couple. We, we know how the, these sorts of things shake out, but oh, wow. um, no, that, that's uh that, that's all fun. So, so with, with Trent, like, you know, Trent Let, let's bash Trent. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about Trent for a second. So he has listened to every episode, maybe even in some cases a few times. So like I introducing him to him. Chuck Yates was amazing. Cause he's like, he was like fanboying him. He's like, Hey, Oh, oh no uh, way. He's like, he's like, Mr. Yates. He's like, you can call me Chuck. And he's like, I'm, I'm a huge fan, man. I listen to all of your podcasts and then gave like a couple examples of things that he liked too. And immediately Chuck's in love. Right. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Stroke Chuck's ego. But I was just like, that's just Trent though. Right. He just yes. made it, you know, smooth delivery, but also the fact that he listens. Right. So Tim, I think, did you guys, did you hire him at Navigator? Is that I happened? did. Was, I did, hired him. Was he the one I, after me? He did Autumn? come in. He came in to replace you, Autumn and Trent worked together for a little bit. And then she left, yeah. And then uh, <laughs> Trent Trent left to go to Oklahoma. He wanted to change a pace and went up there and worked there for, you know, and he's he's done a couple he's, of his. He's stuck. He's up here. Yeah, he, he's there for now. So <laughs> that. The the pace is, it's just so much different, right? And and for me coming from the country a little bit, it's a nice balance because you still get, you know, mahogany and, and some of the city things. You got a basketball team. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, airports in and out. It's a small yeah. city feeling airport. It's very friendly. Um, Oklahoma City has been a, a very good business city for me. Also because it's like, it's not far from here. 
Right. Oh, and yeah, you can do seven client meetings in one day. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You can't you do that in Houston. You no, just you can't, can't do it. You can't. Houston, right. is, we have tried to fly in and fly out in Houston. It is exhausting. Yeah. Always. Always. No, yep. it's super friendly city, super easy to get around. Absolutely. And it's got everything everybody else has on a smaller scale. I'm I'm kind of partial to Tulsa myself, but that, you know, I grew different. up in Tulsa, so I can I can commiserate with you, Tim. I it's 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 beautiful country up there for sure. It there's, is. There's a certain spot where you you leave the flatlands of Oklahoma City and enter the the hills of Tulsa, and and that's when things start getting pretty. Yeah, I mean, it, the way I would probably look at it is, OKC is a better business town. I'd probably rather live in Tulsa if given the choice of of either one. Like if I had to work from home. Right. But, but for sure, I go to Oklahoma city, it's business. At Tulsa, there's even just less business opportunities, right? A lot of the biggest companies just simply yeah, aren't there. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Tulsa's lost a lot of companies over the years. Yeah. This uh, WPX was a huge employer, right? So for that to go yep. to yep. OKC, yep. it's yep. like, sure. I mean, that, you know, very long commutes for some people or just finding different jobs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's just the name of this industry, right, Tim? Yes. That's, yes. that's the way it is. Acquisitions have happened forever. So, so obviously, uh, We've done. We've talked a lot about Oklahoma, but I want to expand it out. So you, you guys are doing work outside the state of Oklahoma. Oh yeah. So I mean, in, in fact, obviously we've got helium, job. helium production in Arizona and on Navajo land and all <laughs> kinds of things like that. So I'm kind of wondering. You, you mentioned something earlier, Monica. I think it was you said wind pipelines, all kinds of stuff. So what? Carbon sequestration. ESG. Carbon. ESG. Yeah. So I'm it's curious. Coming hot. It's coming hot, Tim. Yeah. I'm telling you. I, I'm with you. But I want to I want to just first go over as a land and consulting company, what's different about say say permitting a well in on a, let's just go with it some Indian reservation you can name one if you want versus a windmill on the same location. What's it? What is that like pivoting? Is it different? Is it the same? Um, I From mean, a land perspective, there's no there's no downhole. Scott does a lot of downhole engineering for on the. Uh, BLM permitting side. So actually the uh, drilling programs and that type of thing. So obviously that goes away for those types of permits, but then you've got other engineering that comes into play with wind and um, above ground facilities. So a lot of it on our end is very similar. Um, I'll tell you what really affects those types of projects is the politics. It, it depends on where you are in the country and what they like, what kind of energy do they right. like? So. Um, Sometimes wind is harder to get people to get excited about. And sometimes oil and gas is harder to get, you know, especially with the tribes. It just kind of depends on what their interest is. I mean, it's their land. So they're the landowner and what they, what they're interested in is what's going to happen. So um, usually like right now we're doing a lot of tribal projects where we're working with the tribes um, on their behalf. And um, we've, we've, historically been more on the operator developer side. So, um, which is very exciting to be on the tribe tribal side where they're doing initiating their own projects. Um, those actually are more streamlined, honestly, because it's, it's their project. They want it. Um, you know, there's a lot more buy-in than, uh, representing someone and, and trying to kind of sell the project to the tribe. So, um, it's a lot of exciting things going on. We're we're actually heavily um, in broadband right now. So, hmm. Um, hmm. all really, if you think about it, every project requires siting. Every project requires permits. Um, everything has to go through environmental archaeology reviews. Um, 
So on our end, it changes a little bit, but not yeah. drastically, all, honestly. Like, like I said, it's all the same rules. They're just applied differently. So, yeah. And depending so, on where you're at. So you said something there I just want to dig into. So in some cases, obviously, we're all familiar with a big company coming in saying, hey, we, we've got a location here. We'd like to drill, sure. get the support of the 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 Indian tribe or the BLM, Bureau of Economic or Bureau of Land Management or mm -hmm. uh, whoever it is. But you're saying so some of the tribes might be forming their own companies to create a solar yes. uh, array or put yep. in their that own is windmill. That's happening a lot across the country they right own their now. Own oil and gas companies. They, uh, yeah. Uh, business development corporations where they're doing all kinds of different things. Um, partnering with oil and gas um, companies is a big one. Um, there's a lot of energy feasibility studies being done right now on using natural gas to power. Basically, the, they're looking for energy sovereignty where they yep. can get off the grid. Um, so powering tribal complexes. I mean, we're working on a lot of really cool and exciting, innovative things uh, that tribes are doing, um, municipalities are doing um, with different. Basically, what we're um, seeing more is uh, an assessment of all natural resources and how they can all kind of work together. Um, to create um, energy sovereignty or independence, and then also economic development for the tribes. So, yeah, you remember Navajo Nation, Tim? We did some business with uh, with those guys. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Navigator. Yeah. Those guys. But that were was great. through a surrogate, right? We did that through. I think we did. No, I think we did it directly. But um, there was a conversation around. All right, can we work with these guys because they're all white, right? And, oh, uh, that, oh, yeah. Oh. It was, yeah, there it was, was a. It was a real conversation, but I think we just, we built the relationship, right? There that's, was enough yeah. comfort. Yeah. And, and that's, that's part of it, right? Yeah. I mean, building the relationships, building the trust, um, you know, and, 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 and showing that, that you're, you're there to help them and, 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 and you have a vested interest in it as well. So, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, it goes a long way. Well, and I think, I mean, we've been around for 15 years now. We've worked with most of these tribes on oil and gas projects. So, um, you know, we already have a relationship base basis there um that is easy for them to kind of accept and pivot into other things wind i mean scott worked on a big beef processing facility mm. for the last year i mean so talk about getting out of your wheelhouse <laughs> <laughs> that's funny but, so speak speaking of pivoting i think we can we can pivot real quick tim when was the last time i did an episode actually here like, oh, it's I did a couple in somebody else's basement in the Northeast. Two different basements uh, up Chuck's, there. Chuck's place. Yeah, there may have been like a car downtown, the Brown Palace. Remember the Brown, <laughs> yeah, Brown Palace? Palace? And now finally, finally back in the comfort of my own home. Well, I saw you lay when you just you laid back just a second. For those who are not or listening, you know, Jeremy laid back and it just reminded me of the last episode <laughs> where he's he did the episode from a beanbag in Chuck in Chuck Yates' house. And just laid back on the beanbag in the middle of the show. So, yeah, I was thinking about that when you did that. Of course, I'm used to seeing the homage to Boston sports behind you still. So, <laughs> Yes, yes, we have it. We have it here, including one of my favorite Boston sports athletes, the pride of Oklahoma State, Marcus Smart. There Recently, you go. Yep. got paid. And Love his intensity. Of course. Pandering. Yeah. That's called pandering, Jeremy. <laughs> I know I, he just signed a huge contract extension too. I'm, I'm happy Good for him. But I remember talking to Corey Scott um, when they drafted him and they picked him like pretty high. And he's like, all I can say is like that kid will give you everything he has every second. And that's all you like. That's all you really care about. 
right? I mean, not everyone's going to be Kevin Durant. Got him, got him in trouble in college a little bit too. I mean, yeah, because like well, somebody somebody swore or... at him or something. But you like that? You like that fire? Right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, absolutely. No, he's Love a stud. Yeah, nice. he's great. He's he's a flower mound product down in Texas. Flower Mound, Texas. Yeah. Oh yeah. Is that yeah. Dallas area? Yep. Just a so. guess. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a fifty-fifty, yeah. right? <laughs> no, I think I think I knew he was from there. Um, so so talk to me a little bit about Nape. I wanna I wanna talk a little bit about Nape. Were were both of you there? Was it just you, Scott? And and I guess just to preface it, like it, it was it was good for me because I didn't feel rushed into different conversations. On the flip side, I don't know, man. It, it was very light uh, sparsely attended. I don't know if that's still a COVID thing, if it's the market being where it's at, or if we're now even shifting to more like, I don't know, you know, quick hitter digital, or even like energy tech night type things. That's just in and out. I don't know, but I'm curious what you thought from a business interaction standpoint. No, exactly. I I think, uh, one of the key take takeaways I came from was you're talking to the key players um, a lot in, in historically it would be a land manager and five land techs and, you know, 17 geologists and, and, you know, it just, it, the companies brought a lot of people. Uh, I think, I think in this show, it was more of the decision makers and the people that really wanted to be there. Um, so th- that's one takeaway. I, I did find it, myself uh engaging in a lot more meaningful conversations that sounds like you did as well um and so. and, the, and and the parties were not um you know typically you go to these parties and they're just crazy jam-packed with people and yep. and no it was it was actually you know kind of sparse at the parties you could you could actually move um and <laughs> and, and, and kind of talk but i you know i don't know I, i'm with you i don't know if um it was a COVID thing or an industry. Um, I, I was shocked to see that they had generally when, when they serve lunch, it's, it's generally upstairs. Um, right. And, and this time it was on the floor. Um, that, that's oh, I didn't know that. I didn't even know that. Wow. It was, it was crazy. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, I think, um, you know, I've seen it where it was 18,000, 20,000 people. And now I've seen it where it was, 2,500. I've, I heard 3,500 registered. So, um, yeah, so I, I, I you know, yeah. huge, huge difference, but, but anyway, yeah, Nape was, it, it was good. Um, it, it was you know, still good. I, I don't know if you go to the Hilton bar at all. Have you been there before the Hilton bar at night? Yeah, sure. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Right. So I, did you go this time? I mean, it was, they didn't even have, the uh, I, I didn't end up going at night. I went to the wildcatters thing. I went to the opportune thing, which is fun. EAG and thought yep. trace had an awesome event at the Grove. The Grove is always so nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Grove the Grove is cool. and, yeah. and the grotto, I think for the next night and wildcatters was, was very on brand with their, like kind of, you know, outdoor Typical. fun. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Everybody's sweating. You know? oh, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> pizza. I, I took the tunnel or the, the overhead walkways as much as I could. Absolutely. I was living just, through there. Just, it's so stifling in a suit. And oh my gosh. Yeah. It was, I, I didn't even bother with the suit this time. Uh, it was too much. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anybody yeah. like will hold it against you either. No, right? I agreed. 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 Yeah. So I remember way back in the day, summer nape was always the small one. Yeah. Yes. And winter was the big one. And yeah. I know this one's really kind of the first one where it was being promoted. Hey, we're all back in person. But do you think it still could have been muted just because it was the summer nape and well, not yeah. the... Well, and we... So I didn't go to nape 
this this it fell right when my kids were starting school so it didn't work out right. so trent and scott and blaine house went for us but um you know they didn't announce february nape it was nowhere on the website we didn't even think they were having it they kept calling this nape summit so we were like well we gotta go because it's not really summer nape we thought it was nape yeah, so, yeah so, um, they, they but then the day way. scott you like walked in on friday and you were yeah, like it's a... up on the website february nape and we were yeah. like oh Okay, so there was a recap email that said sign up for you know winter nape, and I'm like, I thought that, that you <laughs> you're were like I just did it. So <laughs> yeah, I, 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 we kind of run the impression that napes this is the new nape now, just one, yeah. and and it's going to be an August. I think it was confusing. So it was confusing, yeah. and that may account for some of the attendance yeah. where businesses didn't know, you know, what this was really. If it was summer nape, if it was nape summit, if you know, if they were going to have an opportunity Friday in February, so too hot, Nape. Maybe. Well, I mean, I was like, if this is Nape and it's August in Houston, ugh. No, no, no. <laughs> right, August in Houston. That's just that's that's a that's a torture thing. But I already yeah. live in August in Oklahoma City, and it's that's hot enough for me. So yeah, well, <laughs> good friend of mine, Dwayne Purvis. He does. Uh, he's got his own consultancy, but he always writes uh, reports on various shows he went to and and he was commenting that while he he felt it was underattended he said you know a lot of companies by policy were simply the the run up the run up of covid yep. in the two weeks prior just spooked enough of them that they just really cut everybody yep. out so yeah, I, I think that it probably would have been double the attendance had you know but yeah maybe the, the maybe. quick run up hadn't happened i mean yeah. even for a place that's militantly you know don't tell me what not to do as we are around here. Um, I think it's still spooked enough people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. I, I would agree with that. In fact, I, I spoke to a gentleman at Devon and, and uh, it was just he and someone else. And, you know, they, they were a, a week prior to, they weren't going. Um, and then right. they got the, they got the call that they were going to set up the booth and everything. So yeah, it's uh it was hit and miss probably because of that. So, uh, Tim, we were talking before the show for when we do this, the wildcatters, they take like a screenshot and they kind of smush it together or they shrink each of us for the recording. That's what it is. Right. right? Yeah. So you guys need to get real close together so that they can do a, a quick screenshot. Ready? No, I'm just kidding. You're, you're, <laughs> I, I, they'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. Maybe they'll do four. Well, let's, I, I want to talk. What is this? I, I see the gusher behind you here. So what is that behind you guys? What's going on there? So we have our own bar in the office. Uh, wow. Well, the blowout preventer. Yeah. This is the logo of the bar. The blowout preventer. Um, <laughs> nice. So, you know, we That's work funny. with a lot of federal agencies, right? So <laughs> they can be frustrating. So. That's amazing. That's, that's well-branded. Yes. <laughs> that is nice. Preventer. Hey, so can we get, we should get that on a hat. Yeah. Right. That would be cool. That right? would be good. Yes. Yeah. So Send our that to your clients with everything. like a bottle yeah. of whiskey or something like that for the Definitely. holidays. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I guess bef before we jump, one of the questions we always like to ask people, and maybe you saw this in sort of the prep was, can you think of a time where you were part of a really embarrassing or silly presentation because, uh, you know, in a meeting, like Tim and I sort of started this podcast based on uh, him seeing somebody trip very slowly over a computer cord in a meeting and yep. me sitting down in a chair and like my feet flying up in the air when I'm at BHP <laughs> Billiton 
in an important setting, right? So I'm just curious if you guys have had anything that, that you're like, We oh. were actually brainstorming this yesterday, and yeah. I, I am a klutz, so I have a few, and Scott <laughs> has witnessed them all. Yeah. 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 That's um, perfect. Our, I would say the whole story is embarrassing, and not just the fall, but so Scott and I got stuck. We were doing a saltwater disposal permit is how it started at the corporation commission. And this is back in 2009. So we had only been practicing attorneys for three and a half years, years, four years. And we're not litigators by any stretch of the imagination. If anyone wants to sue anybody that don't call us, that's not what we do. Um, But somehow this saltwater disposal permit became contentious um, and went all the way through a full blown trial at the corporation commission. Sure. Um, so we were up against um, a, a very astute attorney. Yes, one mm-hmm. of the top. The if you work in Oklahoma, you know there's only about the twelve renowned corporation commission attorneys. We were up against one of them, and um, <laughs> represented a very large company at the time. We represented a very small company at the time. We yeah. did not know what we were doing, mm-hmm. um, and so yeah. pretty much the whole trial was a lot of. Um, crazy you know redirect questionings and we just had to go on the fly (laughs) but in the middle of after i had i think cross-examined someone i was coming back behind the the counselor's tables and there was a briefcase there that i did not see and i completely wiped out and it was captured by the court reporter like my whole in the transcript of me like falling and everyone being like oh my god and the judge says something and it's all in the transcript that then had to be you know this transcript was used multiple times in meetings and it kept coming up and it 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 was the story that never ended so oh yeah yeah when you think about like the artist that draws the scene of the courtroom right they really should have just done that that yes, would have been yes, absolutely like, priceless. And it was not a graceful fall. It was like papers and, uh, you know. <laughs> like out of a movie. The, yeah, they, they never are. No. So, Scott, if you wanted to do a podcast, it could be uh, the lawyer side tripping over the briefcase. There you you go. Go. Tripping over yep. the briefcase. Slip, That's right. slipping, on, slipping on top of the briefcase yes. or something like that. Yeah, the, the particular instant that, that I was talking about, we had the guy. I wasn't even given the presentation. I was at the end of the table laughing. But he tripped over the laptop and it the laptop cord and the laptop moved like six feet on the table, but he fell in slow motion. It was one of those deals where you knew he was going to fall, but it was going to take a while. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he, he, he was maybe 10 feet past where he started the trip before oh. he went down. One of the, I, I had a bad fall at uh, one of the, one of the very last BLM sales that was held in person. Where were we in? That would have been in Mexico, right? In, Me- we're, in, we're in Santa Fe at a hotel. Yeah. It was in like a hotel ballroom. And I got up to go get some papers they had up at the front. It was like the sale notice or something. And I basically tripped over the electrical cord that was um, tied to the projector that had all the sale stuff running that everybody was watching and basically took out the whole thing. So (laughs) I have a few and they're always really um, public. There's always a lot of people around. (laughs) No. Yeah, they're not. You're never just tripping your house when you're just walking around. Bleeding, also. I do remember, like, I started bleeding during the (laughs) day, also. Yeah, I'm a klutz, but there's a place in New Mexico that I really, that I really like too, a Santa Fe hotel. I wonder if it was that. What what place was your conference at? I can't remember. 
why we got moved to that ballroom. It, it wasn't a fancy spot. No, it was like a Hyatt yeah. or a... We I usually stayed at the Inn at the Anasazi. Now, right? Jennifer and I attended the very last sale that was the in-person sale that was held in Reno. And it was actually, we had to be evacuated because of uh, demonstrators, protesters had broken into the um, hotel. And they evacuated oh the goodness. ballroom for the sale. This was in Reno for the Nevada sale. And we ended up being relocated to kind of a smaller conference room for the sale, but that was pretty crazy. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I'm going to, Tim, the next time we do a podcast, I'm going to remember to bring up the name, but the, the one plug I wanted to give, if you go a little bit North of Santa Fe and kind of drive to this town, that's called like ranch, uh, like, like Chamayo or Rancho Chamayo. It's as if you're like driving through the moon. You know, it's you oh, sort of got like regular okay. world, and then you're on these back roads through the moon. Like archaeologists, geologists are yeah. probably in heaven going there. You come out the other side, and there's like towns, but it's like yeah. wow, it's this is just a spot there, on yeah. earth that's barren, nothing yeah. here. Yeah. Yep, super neat. But. So, guys, you know, I, you've got. I mean, I'm, I hesitate to do this because this could take the whole podcast, but you got your <laughs> fingers in a lot of things. If someone wanted to get in touch with you, you know, for <laughs> I don't know, Reagan Smith, Land Scout, whatever. What's, what, how, how do they get reach you guys? Um, I mean, the uh, best, you want to give your email address? Yeah, our, our, our email address is, uh, so mine would be John S-S-T-J-O-H-N at reagansmith.com. That's the best way to get, get in yeah. touch with me. Yeah, find and us on LinkedIn. We get LinkedIn, messages on LinkedIn a lot. Yep, LinkedIn. Um, our phone LinkedIn. number is 405-286-9326. Yeah. I mean, we'll... Whatever it is, we'll we'll get you to the right place. So, no, it's fantastic. You guys have a have a, a valuable position here. It's very niche, and you know, I I think I have an appreciation for starting off with sort of the the consulting and working in a certain route, and realizing you could use technology to continue. Oh, to definitely. Manifest yeah, and yeah. we're all so. about being efficient. Whatever we can do to be more efficient and serve our clients faster. So, no, that's fantastic. Well. Thank you guys for coming on at TOTB, and we'll see you uh, next time at OKC. Okay, right. thanks for Thank having you guys. us. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.